is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. Defensive lockdown over the weekend. The unfortunate return of injury news. A 3Q preview, including a special guest of the Hornets matchup tonight. And so much more. Welcome back to your week. You are Locked on Grizzlies. Locked on Grizzlies. Your daily Memphis Grizzlies podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome into Locked on Grizzlies, everybody. Your go-to for the Memphis Grizzlies news, views, other stuff. There's a little bit of that other stuff coming later on, by the way. But, uh, boy, we got a lot to get to uh, as we begin a short week here on Locked on Grizzlies with Thanksgiving on Thursday. Just so you know, we'll take a couple days off from the pod. Normally we would be on there Thursday or Friday, but uh, because of you know Thanksgiving and family stuff and all that, we're not going to be uh, bringing you those pods at that point, so I apologize for that in advance, but I'm going to be spending time with my family, and uh, hopefully you'll be doing the same with yours. Uh, I am Peter Edmiston, by the way. You could follow me on Twitter, at Peter Edmiston. Would love for you to do that. Uh, you can email me, Peter, at PeterEdmiston.com. You can listen uh, to my show, uh, 7 to 10, Monday through Friday, here on Sports 56 WHBQ and 87.7 FM. If you happen to be in the Memphis area, that's Wolo and Peter in the morning. Uh, you can also read my stuff uh, from my, on a mostly weekly basis, sometimes multiple times a week. Uh, numbers game, uh, as I'm a contributor for the commercial appeal as well. So I'm, I'm, I like to do as much as I can to get out there. And after a busy week like this, there's plenty to discuss. Some of it good, some of it less good. So let's start with a couple of the goods. And that would be... The defensive performances over the weekend, Grizzlies wrapping up a four-game road trip on Friday night in Dallas where they throttled the pathetic Mavericks 80-64, one of the most putrid basketball games I can remember seeing in some time, although you know, no, no shame in winning the game and the Grizzlies will, will happily accept the W, but my God, that was an atrocity. Uh, that game where Dallas at one point was on pace to score a point a minute. You know, they had played roughly 33 minutes and had scored 33 points in the game. That's deep, deep into the third quarter. This was pitiful. This was pitiful. And you, you at some point kind of felt sorry for Dallas, certainly for Rick Carlisle, great coach, who tends to be saddled with kind of jacked up rosters or rosters that aren't perfect or things like that. Um, you, you kind of feel a little bit of sympathy for the guy, but uh, you know there's there's nothing he can do here. This is a bad team, and it's not getting a lot better for them. Um, you know, Jonathan Gibson is basically the the highlight for the Mavericks at this point, but they're missing everybody. Uh, when everyone comes back, I don't I'm not sure that they're they're all that good anyway. But they certainly would be better than they showed on Friday night when they shot a tasty 28 percent from the field. Uh, Chandler Parsons did make his return to Dallas, and uh, he played and played a good bit. Um, but there is a little twist in that tale that many of you have probably heard about, and we'll talk about coming up in injury news. 
So Saturday night, my birthday, it was the Timberwolves for the 300th time. How many, the, the Grizzlies, it feels like it has been a seven-game series against the Timberwolves. Um, the, this year with the preseason games, with the regular season game, it's it just feels, it's, it's a lot of Timberwolves. It's a lot of Timberwolves. This one was uh, a blowout. Totally different style than the blowout that we saw up in Minnesota, obviously, because the Grizzlies didn't rest too many guys. Uh, no one really except Chandler Parsons uh, didn't play. Well, Brandon Wright, he's a long-term injury as well. Um, and it was another defensive, standout defensive performance from the Grizzlies. 93-71 was the final. Timberwolves shooting 39% from the field. Grizzlies didn't do a whole lot better, honestly. They shot 38% from the field in that game. The difference, though, was the Grizzlies' ability to force turnovers. 19 turnovers for the Timberwolves, 27 Grizzly points off of those turnovers. And then the Grizzlies' ability to get to the foul line. Just incredibly active in getting to the foul line constantly. And it seemed like every one of the fouls that the Wolves had led to free throws. There weren't a lot of wasted fouls from a Grizzlies perspective. 38 free throw attempts for the Grizzlies to just 22 for the T-Wolves. And the makes were uh, 33 to 14. So that's a 19-point discrepancy. That, that almost almost completely makes up the gap between the two teams. Interesting fact, this was the first time since 2012 that an NBA team had held two consecutive opponents to 71 points or fewer. And there really aren't very many instances, actually, throughout the entire league where it's happened twice, at least in the shot clock era. You know, most of the teams that have done it uh, have been you know, exceptional defensive teams, of course. Notably, the uh, champion Pistons of 2004, one of the most incredible defensive teams in recent memory, did it six consecutive times, held opponents to 71 points or fewer six consecutive times. That's pretty incredible, even given the lower offensive standards of that era. Still, this, especially with this season, and especially with the amount of offense the teams are capable of now and the rules just really benefiting teams getting out there and shooting, to hold teams and to hold two consecutive teams, even one team as bad as that Mavericks team was on Friday, uh, to do that, that is very, very impressive. And in fact, I mentioned that it was the first time since 2012. How about a little coincidence? Of course, the team that did it in 2012 was the Chicago Bulls, and the Chicago Bulls were coached by the guy who happened to be on the opposing sideline Saturday night, Tom Thibodeau. How about that? The Grizzlies didn't really shoot the ball particularly well. Marcus Gasol had a rough night offensively. But defensively, the Grizzlies were just all over the place. And you can see really now the, the, the Grizzlies starting to find this equilibrium. I wrote about that last week in the commercial appeal. Grizzlies trying to find balance. They're finding it now. They're finding the ability to still have the spacing that they need on offense and the ability to carry a three-point shooting threat, even if they didn't do it, for example, against Minnesota when they went two of 18. But they had the threat. You know, They had guys out there. They, they, they typically will carry a lineup with four or five guys that can legitimately go out there and shoot threes. There's really nobody on the roster apart from, I would say, Deontay Davis at this point. Who, who can't go out there and credibly 
take three-point shots. So when you have that, that spaces the floor. And you don't have to have space with pace. That's those two things are often correlated, but they don't they don't necessarily have to be. They don't have to go together. And in the Grizzlies case, they really don't. You know, I I, I tweeted out a, a number earlier today, but the Grizzlies pace has slowed noticeably throughout the season. And it has been to their benefit that it has. It has been something that the Grizzlies needed to do. And they are I mean, they, the locker room. Let's be honest, guys. The, we, you know, Marcus Saul is the the king of this locker room. You know, Zach Randolph's the king of this locker room. You know, these guys are big time guys. They they're not fast. They're slow. They don't particularly want to run a whole lot. I mean, that's not their that's not their gig. They're not an up and down group of guys. So if you're going to come in as a coach and try to get them and motivate them. To get going like that, now listen. You, you better really. I mean, you better hope it works immediately, and you better really have some good data and some good information behind that. And I just, I don't know that it, that it really worked. I don't know that it, that that there was buy-in on the pace of play front, playing faster, but there was buy-in on the spacing front. And so you see that the Grizzlies have adopted now space without pace. First four games, for example, they, they played to a pace of around 96 and a half uh, possessions per 48 minutes on average, and their their defensive rating was horrible. They really struggled in those first four games, as you'll recall. Now, you know, one of those games happened to be the Timberwolves game, so you have to kind of take that with a little bit of a grain of salt. That the one where they rested everyone, that's you kind of throw that one out, but. In general, you saw that there were some real struggles defensively. The four games after that, they played even faster. But they started to figure out some tricks on defense, but they couldn't carry that over on offense. So they played at a 98 possession pace, but their offensive rating dropped down to 93.4 points per 100 possessions. That's pretty horrible. And their D rating got a lot better, but they were still at a minus. You know, still net rating of minus four in those games. But in the last five, the four games on the road trip, and then the game on Saturday against Minnesota, the pace dropped dramatically to 91.5 possessions per 48 minutes. And as a result, now some of that also I, I should point out is, you know, Milwaukee doesn't play super-duper fast. Utah doesn't play super-duper fast. Um, you know, the, the Clippers can play fast, uh, but the Grizzlies really played wonderful defense in that game. The Mavericks are a broken team right now, um, and the Wolves are super young. So they're, they're, those are those are the five games. There are mitigating factors. There are reasons why, but I do think the Grizzlies have deliberately taken some of the air out of the ball as uh, and gone back to that, that old style, a little bit of, of pacing, if they at least, you know, they've kept the, the space much, much more so than they had in years past. You know, they're still taking from a as a proportion of their points and all that. You're getting more from threes. You're getting more from free throws. Those are the things that you like to see from a spacing team because you're gonna you're gonna have either three point shots. You're gonna have closeouts and drives to the basket, and and ideally you get fouled or you finish one of the two. The pace has slowed dramatically. It hasn't affected the spacing so much, but the the rating. Meanwhile, as you know, the Grizzlies have really played well in those games. 
Um, they've got a 104.1 offensive rating and a 98.3 defensive rating. So they have gotten that rating back to plus 5.8 points per 100 possessions. First time they've been positive in a while, and it's carried over to the whole season average. I think the Grizzlies now just after the game on Saturday night just poked their head over the positive side uh, in the net rating. I think they are plus 0.2. First time we've seen that really from the Grizzlies. So you see how it's a learning process. And much like we saw with Dave Yeager in his early days, David Fisdale had big dreams and big thoughts about exactly how he wanted to implement his style and the reality of actually doing it in this locker room with these guys is different. It just is, and that's not a bad thing. It's just it is what it is. You have to accept that, and you have to roll with it. Um, but that's that's the way the locker room has pushed, and that's what Fisdale has. I think he's acquiesced to that. I think it also is helpful, too, when you've got a lot of guys that are not healthy or that are not 100% or that are still on restrictions of some sort or that you're still monitoring, you know, playing slower. If you're going to play Marcus All, for example, if you're going to play him without, you know, too much restriction or if you're going to play him 30, 35 minutes on a regular basis, then it benefits him not to be attempting to run up and down the court. Make those minutes a little more manageable for him. That's a positive thing, too. So tonight, keep an eye on that with the Charlotte game. Keep an eye on that as the season goes on. Uh, I will give you updates throughout the season on this front. Uh, I'm going to give you as many numbers as I possibly can uh, in the audio side. I mean, podcasts, I don't know how how well numbers translate to the podcast form, but I'll do as much as I can to give you some good numbers so you will uh, appreciate them. I'll tell you who else gives you some good numbers. Seat Geek. They give you great numbers because you need to know, like, am I getting the right price for this thing? How many? We've all been there. I mean, I love going to shows, love going to games. And you are always looking for the best ticket you can find. But have you ever bought the ticket from a site and maybe you're just like, I don't know, it didn't feel right. felt like I paid too much for this. Or, you know, worse, you go to the show and you realize that your buddy went to the same show and paid half the price you did for a ticket that was better. That stuff happens. Don't let it happen. Don't let it happen to you. It doesn't have to. SeatGeek does all the work for you so you don't have to have that experience. So if you go to a game, you know you're going to get the best seat at the best price, guaranteed. SeatGeek will guarantee it for you. And I'll even guarantee that you can save yourself 20 bucks on your first SeatGeek purchase if you use the promo code LOGRIZZLIES. Go to the Settings tab when you download the app. Go to the promo code. There'll be a little promo code section. Type in LOGRIZZLIES. You do that just one time, you're going to save yourself 20 bucks on your first SeatGeek purchase. And crucially, you're going to help the pod out. So please do that. It would be great to download that SeatGeek app, whether you're on Android, iPhone, doesn't matter. It's easy for you to get. They've got that custom algorithm that specifically tells you whether it's a good deal or not, whether this price is, you know, the market dictates this is a really good price or maybe not so good. It's color-coded. There's a number score. It's, it's, it's everything. It's really, really easy for you to use. Go to SeatGeek, download the app, check it out, type in LO Grizzly for the promo code LO Grizzlies and save yourself 20 bucks in your first purchase. Help the pod and help yourself. SeatGeek, they will help you. 
Well, I didn't want to have to break this out, but I'm afraid. Here we go. Injury news. Injury news. One of my finest bits of production right there. And I was hoping that I could just relegate that to the cobwebs. Never pull it out again. That This team would be fully healthy, that everybody would be great. And uh, not only have we seen Brandon Wright now go down with a continual ankle issue, a tendon problem in the ankle that is you know, just trying he's just trying to get it bad, better. And I think we'll be very fortunate if the Grizzlies see him at all this year on the floor. Um, now you have Chandler Parsons and knee problem together again. Now, the good news is that this is not a re-injury of the existing problem. They're the right knee that has been surgically repaired twice, but uh, Chandler Parsons was diagnosed with a bone bruise. This is according to the Grizzlies. Uh, he was diagnosed with a bone bruise after the game on Friday night in Dallas, so he did not play, of course, on Saturday against Minnesota and will not play for two weeks. After two weeks, he'll be reevaluated at that point. Now, I'm always a little concerned when you see the after two weeks will be reevaluated. That does not mean he's going to miss two weeks and then come back. That means after two weeks, you just sort of get a feel for where you're at, and then you go from there. It could be the another week, two weeks, whatever, before you come back. Bone bruises can be tricky. Also, the circumstances surrounding this one are a little strange, too, because you know, according to the Grizzlies, it happened at some point. I guess it was diagnosed after the Dallas game, so presumably it happened at some point during that game because otherwise he wouldn't have played in that game if he had had a bone bruise that they would have diagnosed. That doesn't make any sense. So at some point during the game, it happened. I went back and rewatched. I didn't see anything. Even towards the end when he he checked out with four and a half minutes left to play in the third quarter, and he didn't he he didn't look like he was in an unusual amount of pain or anything like that. Now, let's be honest, Parsons, <clears throat> excuse me, Parsons, when he's been out there this year, has looked uh, nowhere near 100%. I mean, nowhere near 100%. He has gotten uh, rustier as the season has progressed. And against Dallas, even though he scored some points, you know, you, you could tell defensively still very much a step or two or three slow offensively, uh, very slow decision-making and very slow feet. Um, and it was, you know, it was, it was definitely a work in progress, and very much a work in progress prior to this injury. Now you have another setback. Who knows how long it's going to take? We 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 talked about it taking a month or so for him to really feel like he would be acclimated and and ready to go. Well, now you can add, you know, however much to that, because when he comes back, it's going to kind of reset that clock a little bit. Now he's going to have to get reacclimated. But it, the weird thing about this is that after the game. On Friday, in Dallas, Parsons was interviewed and said nothing really about the knee or anything like that. He said, in fact, he said he wished that he could play more minutes. He wished he could have played more minutes in that game, but but because the game started getting out of hand, you know, he didn't check back in. <clears throat> there was nothing about a knee or any kind of a discomfort. There was no, you know, reference to that. So it was very strange. To have the the to have it kind of turn out that way and turn out that it's a bone bruise, and it's a more significant injury than you might think. 
Um, that's that was weird. It's very strange. So I don't know why that was the case, but in any event, uh, Chandler Parsons will miss at least two weeks and probably more than that once the reevaluation happens. I wouldn't think he would just go straight back into the lineup. Maybe he would. That'd be nice. Um, but I wouldn't think that's the case. And, of course, you couple that with the other knee problems and everything else and the reputation that he has for being injury-prone, and it is frightening. I mean, you know, let's just put it out there. It is scary when you see this guy in knee injury. Again, even if it is the the other knee, that's, you know, that's not ideal. You want that knee to be healthy. So, I don't know. It's, you, you hope for the best in this situation. You hope that after two weeks he's reevaluated and everything looks good and he gets back out there as soon as possible. <clears throat> but I do think you have to prepare yourself that it could be a little bit longer than that uh, for Chandler Parsons to be out. In addition to Parsons, the Grizzlies had information about Tony Allen, who suffered a mild re-aggravation of his right groin during the Timberwolves game. He is listed as questionable tonight <clears throat> against Charlotte. He will be continually listed as day-to-day. I think you can assume Tony Allen is more or less going to be day-to-day throughout the rest of the season with various nagging injuries uh, that he picks up. I suppose I could also debut a new segment called Energy News, as opposed to Injury News. The Energy News is that Wade Baldwin is going to join the Iowa Energy. He has been sent down to the D-League after Andrew Harrison has pretty comprehensively won the backup point guard job and has been doing a, a really credible job defensively, as showed some signs offensively, uh, hitting a three or two. He's been pretty good. Andrew Harrison, you know, I think the Clippers game really was the one that kind of pushed those that were sort of on the fence about him over the top, played really, really hard, got into it with Luke Mbamute, you know, hit a couple of big shots, played some that, that big chase back block on Chris Paul. You know, that, that stuff goes a long way. And then he backed it up with some more good defensive performances. Uh, I, I think, you know, you're you're seeing the guy, you know, really kind of rise to the occasion a little bit. He's a gamer and he's a much more predictable guy. Baldwin needs to play. And I, I will be very interested to see with Baldwin's ego, and he does have an ego now. He's a very confident guy. I will be very interested to see how this confident guy handles being sent down to Iowa. I'm betting, I will bet you, that Wade Baldwin never expected that he would be sent down. I bet you he never considered that that would be the possibility. I bet you he never considered that he wouldn't be able to be the backup point guard for this team. So how does he respond to this setback? How does he respond to this situation? He does need to play. He's so out of control that he needs to get down to Iowa and actually get out there and, and play in the way that Andrew Harrison did all of last year, and that did him a, a whole bunch of good. Uh, I suspect it will do the same for Baldwin, uh, and you will be able to watch. I know the Energy have their games uh, available, I think, on Facebook uh, or YouTube. The D-League does some of their games there. So you can you, you will be able to, to watch it if you are a junkie and you want to see uh, what Wade Baldwin is up to down in the D-League. But he is sent down, and as far as I know, even with the injury to Chandler Parsons, uh, they have not changed that view as of yet they haven't taken that down so i assume they're still going to send uh, way down to iowa to get some playing time all right a very special 3q preview grizzlies 
and Hornets tonight in Charlotte. Question number one. And by the way, for those of you that don't know, we do three questions on the game tonight. Question number one. What can Grizzlies fans expect from the Hornets? Well, it just so happens that I have a pal who is here to help. Special guest on the pod, Doug Branson. Doug Branson is the host of of Locked on Hornets right here on the Locked on Podcast Network. And Doug has kindly sent along. He and I both, we kind of switched and did this as a little sharing project. I did one of these for his podcast on the Hornets, and he did one for mine. Uh, So here is Doug Branson, host of Locked on Hornets, giving you a little preview of how the Hornets have been playing going into this matchup. The Charlotte Hornets were on quite a roll, a franchise record roll to begin the season before running into a feisty group of Pelicans in New Orleans on Saturday. The Hornets letting an 11-point lead slip away in the final six minutes of regulation, losing that game in overtime. Their record sits at 8-4 and four still, a great start for a Hornets team that many were down on in the offseason. They can credit that start to Kimba Walker's consistent and clutch play that's screaming for all-star consideration. He's averaging 25 points, 4.3 rebounds, and 5.5 assists on 47.3% shooting from the field and 43.5% shooting from three. He may lead the team in usage, but the team's early offensive success has been tied to sharing the basketball and protecting it. The Hornets lead the league right now in assist-to-turnover ratio at 2.19. Getting that offense to stick is, is key to beating the Hornets. On defense, they've counted on the return of Michael Kidd Gilchrist to help shut down opposing wings and tough closeouts to the perimeter. The Hornets rank third right now in the league in contested three-point shots at 23.4 per game, according to NBA.com. They didn't do so well with that against New Orleans on Saturday, allowing Langston Galloway to knock down six three-pointers off the bench. The Hornets will have to shore up that pregame as they elected to forego practice on Sunday. Keys to beating the Hornets? Well, it's difficult to pinpoint one or two things. All of their losses have been very close. Execution late has been a struggle for this team, but the stats are shockingly similar between wins and losses. Keeping them off the free throw line is always a key. They have plenty of players that can get to the basket on their own in Kemba Walker, Michael Kidd Gilchrist, and Ramon Sessions, and they've been one of the top teams this season scoring off of cuts. Keeping them off the stripe would take the icing off their cake, but both of these teams, Charlotte and Memphis, hang their hat on defense, so this should be a physical, fun fight to the finish. In Charlotte, Doug Branson, Locked On Hornets. I love the way Doug hits that tag. That's that's what you do. Locked On Hornets. Thank you, Doug. I appreciate that. Excellent stuff from Doug, and that should give you a little indication of how well Kimba Walker's playing. How well the Hornets are playing. They're a really good team, 8-4. and four. Uh, You may not realize that just because they, they tend to fly under the radar, but they are playing spectacularly well, and uh, they're going to be a very, very tough challenge for the Grizzlies uh, tonight on the road. Question number two, now that we've gotten our help from Doug, question number two goes back to the Grizzlies. Will the rotation continue to tighten and remain on the older side? A uh, very interesting situation kind of occurring. I talked earlier in the show about the pace of play slowing down. That also happens to coincide with the rotation tightening up and the makeup of that rotation getting more and more uh, of the older players involved, really. You, know, you were seeing 
the I think it's pretty much I would say mostly an eight man rotation at this point for maybe a nine man. You could use an eight and a half for for David Fisdale. And with Chandler Parsons going out, that may affect that a little bit. But when Parsons was in, you would see the starting lineup of Conley, Ennis, Gasol, Green, Parsons. They would play their minutes, and then Andrew Harrison would get a big chunk off the bench. Zach Randolph get a big chunk off the bench. Vince Carter get a big chunk off the bench. Tony Allen, if he slides into the starting lineup, plays roughly you know 20-25 minutes alongside James Ennis. So those are those are your guys that, that play. That's the eight and a half because Tony's kind of been in and out of the mix a little bit. Then you've seen Deontay Davis, for example, in the Timberwolves game, played 10 pretty good minutes, had that incredible block shot, and that, that made me very, very excited. Um, but not you can't count on him to be part of the rotation. And then other guys, you know, Drell Martin has really dropped out almost altogether, played garbage time over the weekend. Wade Baldwin, I mentioned, is sitting down to Iowa. Troy Williams, non-factor. Troy Daniels is you know largely inactive. So will that continue to be the case going forward? How long can this group sustain those kinds of minutes if you're going to play those guys you know, in, in, in those kinds of chunks? Then you're going to have to uh, rely you know, on guys like Mark and Mike a, a little bit more. So will the rotation open up in certain games, or will it continue to be uh, tighter and older? I mean, you know, but you know, Vince Carter's played great. You know, Mike Conley has had uh, an excellent season, although he was not, you know, all that great over the weekend. But yeah, he's still had an excellent season. Same thing with Marcus Gasol, who wasn't all that great over the weekend either, but uh, has still been been really, really good. Um, so, can you ride those guys in a eight, eight and a half man rotation? For, for, a length, uh, for a lengthy period of time. I don't know. That remains to be seen going forward, but I'll be curious to see tonight, especially with Chandler Parsons out. Uh, I suspect Tony Allen will play, but you don't know for sure. And when you start getting down into it a little bit, how will that affect the makeup of the rotation tonight? And then finally, number three, the most important question, the question that will continue to be asked for a long time, can the Grizzlies ever play great offense and great defense together in the same game? If they do, they're going to be really, really, really good because they've played this year. They've had stretches of great offense, maybe not games of great offense, but they've had a quarter, maybe even a half of great offense. But that has always been associated with bad defense and vice versa. Over the weekend, tremendous defense, but some pretty putrid offense. Can they figure out a way to make one positively affect the other continue to have that great handshake relationship the symbiotic relationship where one helps the other you know right now that they they aren't really carrying over so much if they can start to carry over then you can see the grizzlies you know push push ahead and and really really get going and really start to achieve you know, their their considerable potential. If they can do that, that's not easy to do, to play them both together. Will it start tonight? They're going to have to because the 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 Hornets, you know, they they shoot a lot of threes. They can spread it out. They've always done that. Steve Clifford does that really well, and they are a really good defensive team despite not having what you would consider anything close to a you know rim protector. In that way, they are a little bit like the Grizzlies, who usually have a very good defensive group without necessarily having that big shot blocker rim protector guy that you you normally 
you normally think of. So um, this was the game last year in Memphis that got Zach Randolph benched because the Hornets won huge and made you know some unbelievable number of threes, took well over 30 in the game, and uh, it, the Grizzlies just couldn't cope. And it, it was one of those slap-in-the-face type games. Um, so the Grizzlies have changed a lot, definitely changed a lot since then and have embraced some of the concepts that, that caused them problems uh, at that time and have shaped their roster to allow for those sorts of things. But will they and can they ever get the offense and the defense in the same game, same thing going on where one really helps the other? Hope it starts tonight. And I think that there's still a ways to go uh, from that front. Thank you once again for joining me here on Locked On Grizzlies, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. If you want to shoot me an email about the show or if you want to find out more about advertising on this podcast, please feel free to email me whatever you want. Peter at PeterEdmiston.com. That's Peter at PeterEdmiston.com. Follow me on Twitter at Peter Edmiston. Check me out every morning, 7 to 10. Wolo and Peter in the morning, Real Sports Talk, Sports 56, 87.7 FM. Read me in the commercial appeal in the numbers game each and every week. Thanks go out to Audio Nautics as well for help with the music. And, of course, please subscribe and review. I would love it and really appreciate it if you would do that. Until next time, thank you so much. You have been Locked on Grizzlies. Locked on Grizzlies, your daily podcast on the Memphis Grizzlies. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network. 